This is Sarah McFarland from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Our real science sessions focus on connecting with researchers, educators, and industry professionals from all walks of life that make scientific discovery and innovation possible. We talk about their work, their passions, their pitfalls, why they got into science in the first place, and where the road lies ahead. Today, I'm speaking with Wendy Riggs, an associate professor of biology at College of the Redwoods in California. She recently presented on a webinar with us about adapting her classrooms to an online environment, and her enthusiasm and passion for education and science is what brought her here today as a guest. Thank you so much for joining us. Sarah, I am excited to hang out with you again. That webinar was quite an epic, fun time. So I look forward to more. Yeah, definitely. And um, one of the reasons we wanted you to come on this podcast is because you're an awesome presenter and you're just so lovable and you can just feel the passion that you have for science. So thank you so much for being here today again. And I'm going to jump right into the questions if you're ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Where did you grow up and how did your youth influence your path and passion towards science? Oh, man. I grew up in Southern Oregon, east of the Cascades. So I was kind of in a rural community um, and I pretty much lived outside. So we used to go camping all the time, fishing all the time. I can vividly remember hiking around with my dad and he would roll over the the logs so we could see what was under there and getting super excited about salamanders. Oh my God, look at all these slugs and centipedes. What? So we were definitely uh, in the outdoors a lot, which was pretty quick for me to realize that this is super interesting and a passion of mine. I actually knew I wanted to be a teacher before I knew I wanted to be a scientist. And it was in my um, freshman year in college when I took a non-majors biology course and realized like, oh man, I thought I was going to teach little kids, which would have been really fun. But um, I took that biology course and thought, nope, I got to I gotta teach biology and um, spend some time actually teaching at the high school level before moving to the college level. But um, I definitely had a lot of outdoor experiences that made me want to learn more about how things work. Yeah, definitely. A lot of people have a similar experience. Their childhood really just pushed them towards, you know, the creepy crawlies and the really cool uh, systems that you learn about. Well, it's just really fun to have the background and the experience to be able to look at something and then go, how does that happen? Like, how does that do, how does it do that? And to be able to look it up and figure it out is really fun. Yeah, definitely. And so now you're in your, you know, education career. Where did you study to get there and why did you choose education specifically? When I was a junior in high school, my dad and I traveled we did a little roundy round and we visited Humboldt State University in Northern California. And it was just instant. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to live here. We're right on the ocean. We're in the middle of the redwoods. It's a really amazing place. So I knew I sort of targeted um, 
the the college itself because of where it's located. I also knew that it had a really strong marine biology program, and that was something that I was kind of interested in, although I decided to spend my first semester uh, doing thinking I was going to be in elementary education. Um, but like I said, that, that, that first biology class, I still remember that professor and just how awesome she was at explaining things and how fascinated I was at being able to explain what was happening and being able to understand it. So I, I pretty much knew that education was the thing that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And so you mentioned that biology prof, but um, I'll still ask this question anyways. Who was or is the greatest influence on your career? Well, dude, it's so hard to say. Um, Definitely that first biology human. And I had an awesome biology instructor in high school who just was fired up. He used to take us out into the canals behind our behind our high school in the fall they would stop filling the canals with water and we'd go out there and like see all the critters that were you know sadly they had lost their water so they weren't going to make it but it was really fun to go see all the diversity that was out there so i i have definitely had some amazing biology instructors um i have to say that as a professional as a college professor, um, HAPS, the Human Anatomy and Physiology Society, is just full of inspiring, supportive, amazing people who have had a huge impact on my um, professional development. And, you know, that organization, our, our connections you know, started out certainly happening at face-to-face conferences, but, you know, as COVID hit us and so many things moved online, um, we're using social media to connect. We have town halls and hang out. And it just feels like there's a greater access to that part of my um, professional community than in the past. And that's really, really valuable to me. Yeah, for sure. And so you you brought up COVID-19, you know, the pandemic. Um, what impact did COVID-19 have on you, your teaching style, but then also your students? Yeah, holy cow. I I think about it often because that um, March 2020 time in education was, it was just, it was unprecedented. Like none of us had ever experienced anything like that. And um, at the time I was teaching a face-to-face physiology course and I was teaching a fully online general biology course. And part of HAPS leadership as well. So um, when everybody had to transition to we, the, the remote pivot that everyone had to do um, to continue to help students meet the learning outcomes in spite of not being face-to-face anymore in classes that weren't designed to be online, um, I ended up shifting. I, I learned a lot in that experience because my face-to-face students moved online and we we were pretty well set up. I I flipped my classes, my face-to-face classes. So I had a full set of videos. Um, we set up Zoom sessions, but I remember right before we we pivoted online, I remember saying to the students, hey, this is not a big deal. We'll meet in Zoom at, at our normal class times and we'll just carry on like normal. Like it'll just be a totally normal thing. 
And it took maybe um, a day or two of reflection <laughs> to realize that, oh, no, it's this isn't going to be normal because we all had our kids at home and we all had, you know, we had to figure out our jobs and our schedules totally changed. And so I the probably the biggest thing that happened to me was a sudden compassion or empathy for my students. And that's changed how I teach. And it's it's changed how I um, build my classes and how I communicate with my students and how I work with them to help them get through their classes. Um, I did end up doing a lot of distance education work and support for faculty on my campus during that time. And that was another big change. I, I was not sitting as much on the instructor side as the admin-ish side. And got to say, that's not my favorite place to be. So I, I like being in my classroom better. Yeah, no kidding. And so you mentioned adapting your classrooms to a more online or virtual environment. How did you do that? And what surprised you the most about that transition to online learning? Um, I, again, I already had videos created. So my students already had access to all of my lectures. Um, if I had to create content during this time, it would have been a totally different experience for me. So um, because I already had my content created, I could focus in on my students and connecting with them, <laughs> making sure that I knew who they were, making sure I knew where they were headed, um, and making sure that they had what they needed to get through the class. I, um, in since spring 2020, I have taught um, human physiology fully online every semester. And um, the transitions, number one, I think the lab activities, fully online asynchronous um, lab experiences, I think that has gotten better over time. So I think that, you know, it takes time to develop a high quality online class and having time has let me um, get better there. But we've done a lot of um, community building and we, I have tools in my classes where, you know, I'm, I'm normally in our face-to-face -face giddy up, I, I am tight with my students. I, I know who they are, I know what's going on in their lives and I see their faces and I can tell when they're confused and we've worked really hard, students and me, to make sure that we can maintain that kind of community um, to to support the students. They still are doing all the work that they would have done face-to-face. -face. They don't have that social connection and that like kind of protected space of the classroom. And so they have to fit our course into their lives. But we, we have, I think, done a really good job of, of making that happen for them. And for me, I like my online classes better now <laughs> than I did before. You know, it's, it's more interactive and we have a better community. So that's good. Yeah, definitely. And that kind of segues perfectly into the next question. Um, specifically, how have you been building community in a virtual world with your students and even, your, you know, your fellow faculty members? Absolutely. Um, I have found the virtual meetings to be really interesting. On, on the one hand, you know, I'm tired of sitting in my home, in my living room here and doing all my work in my living room. Um, but on the other hand, these virtual meetings 
our faces are all the same size and we all show up with the same volume and <laughs> we raise our hands in order to be able to talk. And it, it feels like there's, and there's the side chat. So there's the whole conversation that can happen in the chat bar. Um, I, I think that this, uh, these, these synchronous video conference opportunities are definitely a place where authentic community can be generated. I think sometimes, especially in the classroom, before someone's going to be cozy to, you know, turn on their video in a synchronous Zoom session or, you know, raise their hand and say words, especially students, um, I think you have to sort of have a relationship with them. And that's the kind of stuff that I spend, you know, most of my time focusing on. Yes, I'm, I'm, you know, we're talking content, but there's a lot of um, cheerleading and and support and flexibility and, uh, you know, reminders that, hey, I'm on your side. What can I do to help? Let's get in there and make stuff happen. We have a really robust chat tool that is embedded in our learning management system. And that thing is it's on my phone and I can text my students without having to give them my cell phone number, which is nice. Um, and they it, it's super quick. You can like the things that they say. They can message anyone in the class. They can message as many people in the class as they want. They set up groups. We can do video hangouts. Um, you can send gifts to each other and make jokes. And it's a really and it's fast. So they know that if they send me a message um, in this time period that I'm going to get back to them because I'm on my phone and I can just send them a quick message back. So I spend a lot of time getting to know who they are. And I had, you know, 70 students this semester and um, I, I recognize that's a privilege <laughs> to have small classes, um, but it, it, that's my probably highest priority because once you have the community, then they trust you to get in there and do the work and um, you're available to help them be successful. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I think that's incredible. I, I wouldn't say that 70 is overly small, um, <laughs> but it's smaller, yeah, it's smaller than like 500. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's relative, but also I think you can still use those online tools to, to build community, even if you're in a community of 500 people. So, yeah, well, I, I often have, I, I think back to when I was first proposing, let's do a science class with a lab online. And that was, I don't know, seven years ago. And I remember my more experienced colleagues saying, um, you can't do that. You, you know, virtual education is virtual. It's not real. You can't actually learn and create community online. And then I look at my kids who are teenage boys and I'm like, yeah, pretty sure they're creating some robust community online and we can probably learn from that and um, count it as real. It's legit. Definitely. And can you maybe comment on um, your experience with your students and their, you know, quote unquote, pandemic fatigue? Yeah. One of the um, first moves that I made, um, and I made it explicitly this semester, and in past semesters it wasn't explicit, but this semester I just said, hey, due dates, I, I learned about this on Twitter as well, so I can't remember who, um, who threw this out there, but I was like, oh, I love that idea. Due dates are best by dates. 
And we talk about them as like the reason why it's Best Buy is because you get to engage with everybody. You're on the same page. You're, you have the support of every, and you get to have those conversations, which is where a lot of learning happens. But if things go down and you things are rough, man, do what you got to do. I mean, we had, I know this is not abnormal, but we had people getting COVID and people with family members who got COVID and kids who, uh, you know, are having to quarantine because of what's happening in their classrooms. Not to mention, and that's all like COVID related. And then there's all the regular stuff that just happens in lives and to to um, flex with the students and to be present for them so that they they feel they don't get discouraged and they don't give up. They, they go, okay, I have flexibility here. They communicate with me really quickly in the chat tool and I give them the rah-rah. Absolutely, we can, we can adjust those due dates for you to accommodate and then they can keep going. Um, it, it is a little bit, you know, it, you've got lots of people on different tracks, but it's amazing how most of them are like, I don't want to be behind. I want to stay up and I'm not, you know, they're not slacking. They just are dealing with uh, life and it's an honor to be able to be in position to help support them and encourage them to keep going. Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that we've all learned in the last two years, two-ish years, is that life really does change a lot depending on your circumstances at home. And so learning from home when you've got a bunch of siblings, I can just imagine, would be so different than learning at home when it's just one or two and, you know, you don't have five different grades going on all virtually at the same time. That's so. exactly right. And that was that transition of like, there, there was a change in me where I don't know, I don't know what it was, but there was this kind of leveling of experience where we all were in the same boat. So I was no longer this person holding deadlines, holding, you know, this is my class. If you can't make it happen, then maybe this isn't the semester for you to make it happen. We all were on the same page of like, holy crud, we have no idea what's happening next. And we need to be ultimately flexible and supportive of each other. And the thing that's amazing is I'm not going back. I'm not going to go like I this is such because in spite like COVID is a separate thing. And I would love to think pretty pleased with sugar on top. We're not going to be in this for forever, but it life happens and we can trust our students. We can trust them when they say I am trying my hardest, but these things are happening in my life. And I had one student whose dog got shot. And like, I mean, he was just like, he was game over, you know, and I was like, no, not game over, but take the time that you need to, to handle that part. And, and we love you and then come back because you've done all this work and we want you to keep going. And, and he, he did, he, he pushed through that because I was there saying, yeah, that's not going to be the thing that kicks you off this path, my friend. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if that's not a way to build community, I don't know what is. Everyone being in the same boat, we're all humans living in this world together and everyone had to pivot. So I feel like going forward, that's just a really like honest way to go about educating students who are also pivoting and and moving in the same world that we're all living in. So that's awesome. 
Yeah. And it's also, you know, you look at folks going into education, like they're, they're committing to do a thing. They're committing to do something hard. Classes are hard. Learning is hard. It's work and you have to create time and space to do it. And it's vulnerable because in order to really learn, you have to figure out what you don't know and you have to try something and then like get some feedback and then make these like incremental steps forward. It's a hard thing to do. So to be in a position to support the folks who are making that decision in spite of all of it, they're making the decision to keep um, keep after their education. It, I think I already said it, but it really is an honor to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And you can just tell by the way you talk about it that you really just do love it so much. And that's awesome. <laughs> I do. I feel so lucky. I, I actually got to have my classes have all been fully online and I um, got to hang out with some students. We did a tour of our cadaver lab and um, did it a couple times. And boy, number one, being back in the cadaver lab was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and number two, being in person with my human students that I'd seen on Zoom and had been messaging and connecting with all semester to actually see them and and laugh. And like, it just, it, it's we definitely have created robust community in spite of not being able to do that. And then it was really nice to get together and share space. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Last question here. Um, As a woman in science, we have our own community. (laughs) Um, Can you share about your experiences? Um, I, this is a harder question for me and I think it probably reveals, um, I don't know, maybe the privilege of not having to be super aware of my reproductive organs in my, my chosen, um, career. Um, I, I am, and always have been, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm, that's, that's what I am here to do. And it's my passion. It's my joy. And I, I'm not sure the pieces of my certainly being um, a woman has had an impact on my life. And, you know, there's all sorts of things that we experience in how we're sort of framed or how we're sort of um, trained. Um, But specifically going into the sciences, I've always felt empowered and supported. And um, I, I think the fact that I feel like that's a privilege is another reason why I see my role as, okay, make sure everybody has that privilege. Make sure everybody feels like they have, that those options or those opportunities are available to them. And that's the other part of, you got to know your students if you're going to show up and um, help open doors for them so that they can get where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned your first biology prof in, in undergrad, and I feel like that's going to be you for a lot of young women in science. So I just really want to thank you again for your time today and for being here and for your awesome webinar that you did a few weeks ago. Um, we really appreciate you and your time and your insights. So thank you. Thank you, Sarah. It's always fun to hang out and talk teaching. So I, I really appreciate the invite. Thank you. And 
so we hope you enjoyed this episode of Real Science and that you'll tune in to future episodes where scientists, just like you, answer questions about their life, their work, and share insights into what it's like to be doing real science. Don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>